You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy Day. Hey, Cliff, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. You feeling any older? Uh, according to my watch, yes. Um, nah, I'm the same. <laughs> well, for, the, for those of you that don't know, uh, yesterday, as we're taping this on uh, Monday, May 3rd, uh, yesterday was our our fearless leader, Tim's 50th birthday yeah people like people i know people on on social were me like there's no effing way i go unfortunately according to my uh birth certificate there is a way (laughs) well listen uh, if if you if i didn't know i wouldn't have guessed it so i mean like you're you're doing something right if that helps doing something i guess i gotta thank my parents for something thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much mom and dad um yeah but no it it was good uh as i said uh 50 is just a number just as long as uh, uh just as long as you you know don't act your age and just have fun this thing it's just a number so no that's it as my as my mom would always say you're only as old as you feel and no i won't feel you to find out yeah <laughs> yeah that's right and anybody wants to complain about that don't complain to me just at cliff at twitter at at cliffy d thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> um good episode this week when it comes to our interview uh we are going to be speaking because obviously with the cfl draft and when you're listening to this it's very possible you're listening to this right before uh the draft um, but the we're going to be speaking with the Three Down Nations, John Hodge. We're going to be talking about uh, what the Alouettes need to get, um, where these players specifically may be coming from. But <laughs> uh, but you know we'll be talking to him uh, in a short little bit. Uh, but a couple of things that we want to talk about before we get to the interview, Cliff, is that I think it's after the after the show was released last week. Um, the Alouettes made known to their season ticket holders and then released uh, the information about an, an eight-game season ticket package that fans were are going to be allowed to buy into. Is that they are that they are going to only be seven home games? Sorry, yeah, seven home games for the Alouettes in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I, I. I Obviously, with it being a fourteen-game season, that that's obviously we're going to get seven. But what what are your thoughts specifically on how many games that we're going to be getting at home? I mean, it's seven's cool; it's fine by me. But when it comes to the actual schedule itself, the seven games, Cliff. I mean, I made some mention on social media that you know, with the way that the CFL was trending last season in reducing some of the travel. And reducing some of the games in the West, would you be completely opposed? And this is what I put on social media. Would you be completely opposed to there being a a bigger cut or a complete cut of East-West matchups in 2021? I guess I don't really have an opinion on that in the sense that, I mean, I just want to see football being played. So, I mean, if it comes down to only having Eastern matchups, so be it. If it means only one or two Western matchups, so be it. If you're trying to keep as much of a regular schedule as possible, as far as try to play every team at least once, and then the rest being divisional opponents, I'm okay with that too. At the end of the day, I just want football. And I'm I'm willing to accept a 14-game schedule if that's what it takes to get on the field in 2021. We obviously want more. We want everything to be back to normal as much as possible. But these are circumstances that are being presented right now. This is the scenario that the CFL is aiming towards. And it's all dependent on so many things, especially when it comes to provincial health guidelines Mm -hmm. and regulations and what have you. So that's going to play a key factor into it as well. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm also still not opposed to the idea of doing like 
a hub city as well. Like just have all nine teams congregate in one area and just work it that way. If that's how you got to make CFL football work in 2021 as well, so be it. I mean, I'm at, at the end of the day, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see football being played. I would love to obviously be at the stadium with you, with all of our great fans watching the Alouettes play at Percival Molson stadium. If we can do that, even if it's just for seven games, I'm all for it. Yeah. If you tell us that uh, we got to, you know, abide by certain regulations and certain guidelines in order to do so, just tell me what they are and I'll do it. Like that's truly where where I'm at right now. And if you do decide that the only way we can do CFL football safely in 2021 is to be in one city, have all nine teams there, practicing, playing, all that stuff in just one city, so be it. I, I don't care. I just I just want to see football again. I want to see CFL football. I want to see the Alouettes back on the field, back in action. That, to me, is paramount more than anything else. What I thought was interesting, you know, we've heard constantly about how, you know, the how many times the CFL has asked for, as you know, assistance from the federal government, and and everybody knows the, the whole story about how. How it just basically blew up in the CFL's face from at the very beginning when they were asking for uh, you know it was like it's one hundred and fifty million dollars, then dropped to thirty, uh, and then then I think it was the CFL was told they weren't going to get any this year either. But what's interesting that dropped two days ago, uh, according to Winnipeg MP Jim Carr, the federal government and the CFL are in talks about possible funding arrangement this year. Did you hear about that? And what what do you think about that? I think it's interesting. I mean, like it's like anything else. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many moving parts here that uh, you know. Is this something that is actually truly going to have to be necessary in order for this league to continue and operate as close to they were doing before, like before the pandemic hit and before all this went down? Uh, it, it, it's so hard to say. I, I mean, it's. Man, it's it, it's hard for it's hard to say really. I mean, I'm I'm all for any sort of solution, any sort of if if this is what has to be done in order to get football played, then it's definitely an avenue worth exploring. To me, that's that's what's key right now, and at least coming coming to the forefront, not just with problems, but coming up with solutions. And if this is a solution as far as trying to get back to this 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 league, getting back on the field and playing football again. Then it's definitely worth hearing at least. To me, that's that's what that's what matters right now is just any sort of any sort of solutions. You know, like as, as far as I'm concerned, at this point, there are no stupid ideas. I mean, there's believe me, there's stupid ideas, but I mean, the, <laughs> I, I'm 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 at, I'm at the point now. Where I I'm willing to listen at least. I'm at least willing to hear out anybody and everybody as far as trying to get things back to back as close to the way that things were as as humanly possible. I you know I think this just goes to show with all the doom and gloom supposedly and all these clickbait headlines that were out there about how the CFL wasn't going to get any money or the, the the federal government turned turned down the CFL. I think it just goes to show that there always is a way for the C what seems to be the CFL and the federal government to work together in some way, shape, or form for an amount of money or whatever. It's going to be, you know, so it's it'll be interesting to see. And I was actually quite, uh, quite pleased to see that information, Cliff, because, um, you know, it, it's a positive. It's a positive, And right now it's just a matter of uh, it will be up to the provinces, as you said. And we just got to just bring down the bring down these cases of covid so we can actually have uh, a percentage of fans in the stands. So, um mm-hmm. Um, before we also one thing before we get to the interview, uh, we had to at least say goodbyes to uh, Maximum Football. Uh, I know it's really a uh, a CFL related topic uh, overall, a league topic, but at least we we have to mention that um, it was announced that uh, that Dave Winter, who has basically been the guy doing all the coding and stuff like that, uh, has decided to walk away from. Um, from the company that he that he ran to that made maximum football. So uh, if everybody remembers uh, Cliff and I talking about, you know, all the uh, CFL Sims last year and stuff like that, um, you know, uh, I think this is the 
I think this is the, the second t- uh, version of a CFL game that was available for the PC, etc., and for any other consoles. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting too, Cliff, because he, he's just basically put all the IP up for sale. So it makes me wonder if one of these big companies uh, that are, I guess, you know, steps beyond what his company was, uh, are going to buy buy the IP rights and, and hopefully uh, uh, continue with the CFL uh, CFL game. Well, this is something that fans have been clamoring for is a CFL video game. And it's funny because there's one that exists and I just don't know how many people actually truly invested in it and tried it out and tried to make it work or just how trying to gauge the interest in it. I wasn't there. Now, again, this game is not Madden. No, the CFL flavor to it. And let's let's make that clear right off the bat. It was still a video game, and this is one of those things that supposedly people are clamoring for, and this is what's going to help bring in the young people and get them interested in the Canadian Football League. It's like, well, someone did actually make the effort to make a video game, and now this thing has gone belly up, which is unfortunate because, yeah, this was, again, another avenue for the CFL to go down to try and get people, young people, I should say, interested in the league and get them invested in the players and the teams and what have you. And it just didn't work out. So it's unfortunate. So really, what does it come down to? Like, okay, fans want a, a video game. But I guess it comes down. But I guess really what it comes down to is they want the CFL in Madden. I think that's really what they want more than anything else. Because you want that slick production. You want those amazing graphics. And you want actual teams and actual players, not just uh, offshoots with the same colors. And... Uh, you know, you, you want to be able to, to land those rights to the not just the players, but also to the teams as well. And you really want that authentic feel to it. And I think that's the one thing, unfortunately, with this, uh, with Maximum Football, is it just didn't, even though it had Doug Flutie's name attached to it, it just didn't have that authentic feel. And it didn't have that sort of video game appeal that you're looking for in 2021. Like, the game itself, I gotta, I gotta say, it just felt a little dated in a lot of ways. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but... From what I saw of the game, and I'm not a gamer myself, so I mean, yeah. I, maybe I'm completely off base. No, here, I'm not either. What I'm not I s- either. But I mean, I remember you and I talking about how, I, and based on the rosters, how we felt it was really off. I know we're a little biased when it came to the Alouettes, but I thought we, how we felt it was off, really, when it came to the, the gameplay and stuff like that for for the Owls themselves. You know, with, with the computer running all the all the sims. So, yeah, I mean. Listen, we're, we're not here to bag on it or anything like that. I mean, we definitely appreciate the effort that, that was put forth to it. But I think when it comes to the topic of CFL and video games, I think at this point, it's kind of like make like a CFL pack for Madden or bust. I think that's really what it comes down to, unfortunately. Well, you look at the different football games, the, the iterations of, of, of leagues that have had their games made by the big, big guys. Um, really, it's been Matt, it's been Madden and 2K who made the NFL one, and then it was uh, EA Sports who made the Arena Football League one. I mean, people are saying yes, but it's not, you know, it's not Canadian rules or whatever. But it's it was still a league that had a football game done. Uh, it was done in, in two iterations, actually. It was uh, you know two years for for EA, and then one year uh, in their. Uh, um, there, what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember the, the comp, the, end uh, of the NFL blitz type of, of, of game itself. So as far as I know, I think that's the only gridiron football that has been done by, for leagues that have actually had the names, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure there's another one out there. I just can't remember what it is, but it's, it it's tough. And maybe fingers crossed we'll have something, but I guess we'll I guess we'll find out sooner or later. I guess if somebody buys the IP rights, I'm sure they'll they'll make a uh, they'll make a big announcement about it. So, well, here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned before at the top of the show, we have John Hodge from Three Down Nation on the, on the on the pod with us this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the draft, which is going to be happening, uh, you know, Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Uh, on uh, Star Wars Day, who, who would have thought, eh? You, I, I never could have seen it, Cliff. <laughs> on the same day, the CFL draft, and may the fourth be with you. I never thought about, you know, never, ever, never, never thought I'd see that, ever. Me, me neither. I know. I tell you, uh, 
Uh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a time. What a time. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to be getting to, to that interview now. And uh, when we come back, uh, Cliff's going to go over a couple of his uh, uh, teas, his a couple of choices uh, when it comes to his thoughts on, this, on the Alouette's potential uh, CFL draft picks. The interview this week is going to be with a gentleman who is uh, with a, a very well-known independent news publication, Three Down Nation. I'm sure you've heard of them. Uh, online now to talk about the draft is John Hodge. Hey, John. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, boys. So we have the draft coming up. I mean, literally as we're taping, it is we're just on the cusp. It's basically the 11th hour right before the draft occurs in the CFL. And I wanted to ask you a couple of, of generic questions first about just your thoughts on these uh, these particular subjects and whatnot, and then we'll let uh, Cliff ask you some questions about the the Owls and their, their upcoming draft picks. Um, but looking at the at the draft, obviously there was one last year when it came to the pandemic, John. But wh- what do you see as the difference this year? Being that this is technically, I guess we could call this really the first draft of the pandemic era. How do you see this draft as it differs from uh, drafts in the past? Well, the CFL draft in a normal year is a very unique entity. It's an, it's an enigma. It's very bizarre. Um, it's the only draft in sports that I know of. And this is a Dwayne Ford line, by the way. But it's the only <laughs> draft I know of where the first player taken is never the best one. It's always somebody else. Um, the best player in this year's draft is Javon Holland, but he was the 36th overall pick of the NFL draft, and he's never going to play in the CFL, and so you move on. Um, but this year, even by CFL draft standards, is very weird, and it is bizarre for a number of reasons. One, the league did not play last year, mm-hmm. and so you've got an entire 2020 draft class that is yet to see the field. Um, you've got a whole bunch of players, some publicly, some maybe not yet, who have retired, who otherwise would still be playing. And uh, you've also got a ton of players who haven't played in 18 months. And so, you know, you, you, your team, I'll, I'll, use, uh, I'll, say, I'll use BC as an example. BC has a ton of depth, a Canadian receiver. You know, you might say, oh, well, there's no way they go receiver because they've, they've got a lot, of, a lot of talented guys. Well, if one up and decides, well, I'm, I'm done with the game, I, I've started a business on my own, uh, I'm not playing, and another says, oh, you know what, actually, uh, I didn't tell you guys, but uh, last month I was playing pickup basketball and I tore my ACL. Well, all of a sudden, you've got a team that, you know, in a normal year, you, you look at them and you say, oh, well, there's, there's no way they go receiver. And suddenly it's a huge area of need. So, you know, the, the pandemic has changed everything. Uh, another huge change is we saw a ton of U sports players. I think the final number I reported it for three down, but it's, I think it was 132 off the top of my head who opted out. And that led to the league keeping all the NCAA guys in. So now if you're, you know, if you're a guy like Terrell Jana graduated from the university of Virginia, well, you're not under contract with the NFL and you're not going back to school, which means likely you're going to be playing in the CFL in 2021. Your stock goes way up. Well, if you're a guy like Liam Dobson at Texas state, well, you're not ready for the NFL yet. You have an extra year of college. So now instead of coming to the CFL in 2021, you're, you're going back to college. Or if you're a player like Chuba Hubbard, well, you're not going back to college, but you're in the NFL. So if you're a CFL team, you have to decide, are we taking a now guy? Are, you, are we taking a guy going back to school? Or are we taking a guy who's in the NFL? And again, the, the draft is normally weird. This year is just that plus another entire level from the <laughs> pandemic and all the uncertainty that surrounds this league. For sure. Now, you, you mentioned before in NCAA and U sports, um, how, how, I mean, you had NCAA teams basically play a fall season and spring seasons. You did have U sports not play at all. Does it give the uh, advantage to Canadian players who played either fall or spring ball versus these guys who didn't play at all? in the CIS in 2020? You know, I, I would say the answer is probably yes. Um, you know, teams teams rely heavily on film, especially in a year like this year where the testing is, I, I would suggest, at best dubious and at worst meaningless. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the virtual numbers are not things that scouts that I've talked to are, are putting any stock into, to be quite honest. Um, some of them are really glad to get the video so they can time them themselves, but... You know, there's also, you know, there's instances where guys will submit their video to be tested and, and they're doing things in the video that aren't permitted at the combine. They're they're using their hands 
in a way that would be penalized uh, in the three cone drill or the 40 yard dash they're they're lining up with a one yard head start or they're doing things that you know again in a combine setting would not be permitted right. so the testing is kind of a wash um now one thing I will say about the esports side of it is, again, these guys haven't put anything on film, a lot of them, in 18 months. An example I'll use is Tyler Packer, who is uh, an offensive lineman with the Calgary Dinos. Uh, the Dinos are loaded this year. They have a ton of talent. Packer is actually the third-ranked off- or offensive lineman that we have just on their team. Overall, he's about 10th on our list, uh, but he's third from the Dinos behind Logan Bandy and Peter Nicastro. So if you're Tyler Packer... Well, he played the Vanier Cup, won it with the Dinos in 2019, weighing 340 pounds at six foot six. Yeah. Well, in prep for the draft to try to get him, you know, improve his mobility and such, he lost 40 pounds. Like he's currently Ooh. weighing in at 300. Wow. So Ooh. if you're a CFL team trying to assess Tyler Packer, it's like, well, you put on the film and it's like, oh, this dude is too heavy. He really needs to cut some weight and improve his mobility. And now you're in a situation where it's like, well, he has done that. We just have no idea what it looks like on film. So if you are an NCAA player who's played and you've got film uh, from a spring season uh, or, or a fall season, then I, I do absolutely think that gives you some, some type of advantage. And a lot of these eSports guys have gotten creative and, you know, filming drills that they've done and such, but there's, you know, there, there's no replacement for game film. Yeah. And that's what teams want to see. And finally, from me, before we get to Cliff and the Owls-related stuff, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, we always see these rankings from the, you know, from the, from the, the, the scouting rankings, the National Scout list. Um, in your opinion, I mean, do, do, does the, do the lists and rankings really mean anything if you're a, a CFL fan and looking to see who possibly your team could pick up? I mean, or is it, because as you said before, uh, you know, the best pair doesn't necessarily go number one. Do you think that there, uh, is it just, yeah. you know, what is the list really meaningful? I would say the scouting bureau rankings are, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. Uh, it's the same thing as uh, the virtual testing numbers at best. They're dubious and at worst they're meaningless. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it, it is very misleading. If you're somebody who doesn't know anything about the draft, like I, I just pulled them up here. Cause honestly, I don't think I even looked at the most recent rankings, but you've got Josh Palmer at one. Well, he was a third round pick in the NFL, Alaric Jackson, UDFA in the NFL, Javon Holland. He, he was drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. And then he got Eamon Ogbong Ramiga undrafted Chuba Hubbard, fourth round pick, Ben St. Just third round pick. Then Pierre-Olivier Lestage, undrafted free agent. And then you have to go all the way down to 16 for Bruno LaBelle, who was an NFL or an NFL signee. Um, this year's draft list, honestly, I think is better than a lot of previous draft lists. Yeah. Um, sometimes the scouting bureau is really out of whack. A, a classic example I'll give you is last year, Catella Say, the big tackle out of Laval. I think finished something like seventh on this list. He was, I think he was even number one at some point and he ended up getting picked in the eighth round of the draft. And it wasn't a secret in draft circles going into the, going into the thing that he was going to fall. I don't think anybody thought he was going to fall to round eight, but the scouts, like the same people who make these selections and help their GMs make the smart picks are the ones who submit names for this. So, You've got a group of scouts, none of whom thought a say was worth anything over an eighth-round pick, and they're putting his name up to, to be on it. So I think there's times where scouts try to use the list to their advantage and maybe artificially inflate a player's stock um, when it has no business being inflated. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's it's a good starting point, I guess, to be the best answer for you. Okay. But it is misleading. You're somebody who doesn't pay a lot of attention to the draft um, because you're right. It's very confusing to have Josh Palmer at the top of the list. Well, there's a decent chance Josh Palmer does not get drafted tomorrow, and he's he's the number one ranked player. Yeah. So it's uh, it's confusing, and uh, it's one of those things. Again, I personally I don't put much stock into it, and. For anybody who who wants to learn more about the draft, I would I would recommend you look elsewhere for for your information, including pre down, because I think we do a nice job of kind of putting all this information into perspective. Like the the list lacks perspective, and the perspective is uh, is what you need. Yeah. Great insight, John Cliff. All right, 
So let's start talking about the Montreal Alouettes and what they're going to be doing Tuesday evening. Uh, last year, Danny Machocha, a lot of people were expecting him to draft all the Quebec players, and he damn near did. <laughs> uh, this year, though, uh, <laughs> a lot of the Quebec-born players, uh, like of, of note, have actually gone, and as you said, they, they were either signed as undrafted free agents in the NFL or even drafted, like uh, Benjamin Saint-Just. Uh, in your opinion, where do you think Montreal goes as far? Like, will they stick with that sort of narrative, or now are they going to have to be forced to sort of think outside the box when it comes to drafting this year? Well, I think that you will definitely see uh, Danny Machocha select at least one of his former players at the care bounds. Um, that being said, uh, we have to remember this team doesn't have a first-round pick, right? That's the Johnny Manziel trade, the gift that Cavus Reed gave the Ticats that just keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that matters, I think, more this year than not because, you know, with, with the way that the draft is formulated, it's a snake draft this year, meaning that the, the order of selections is reversed in even-numbered rounds. Montreal would pick at 9. That pick belongs to Hamilton. Then they pick at 10. Then they don't pick to 27. So if you're, if you're Danny Machocha and there's a guy who you really want at 10, you're obviously not in a situation where you can wait until the end of the third round at 27 to get him. If you think he's a, he's a really good player, you're going to want to grab him. Um, to me, there's only one member of the Carabans who would possibly, outside of the two you referenced, and Montreal native Benjamin St. Just, who is a excuse me a third round pick of of Washington in the NFL draft, or Pierre Olivier Lestage, the excellent offensive lineman who is an undrafted free agent signing with the Seattle Seahawks, is Reddit Cramdy, and Reddit Cramdy was a sensational strong side linebacker with the Carabans. He's a little bit undersized. He's about 5'10", um, a little under 200 pounds, but he's a very smart player, extremely physical. Um, I've spoken with somebody on the Caravan staff who called him a student of the game, said he always wanted to go up against the best receiver on the team in practice, trying to get better in one-on-ones. Um, is he a possibility at 10? I think 10's a little early, but again, we all know that Mr. Machocha loves drafting his former Carabans. He did it several times last year. And if he wants Cramdy, well, 27 might be too late to get him. I'm not sure if that's true, but it might be. Um, so I think there's a possibility you see him go elsewhere at that pick, but I also think there's a possibility that they could take Cramdy. He's a local product. He's a good player. He fits an area of need that I think the Alouettes have at, uh, at, uh, you know, really safety spot, assuming that he would be, uh, uh, would be playing there as a defensive back at the CFL level. That's what most U sports guys and that's what most U sports guys end up doing. They play Sam or they play half or they play corner and at the university level and they, they move to safety at the pro level. So I think there's a chance that they can end up taking Cramdy at 10, uh, outside of that. Um, I wouldn't say there's any Carabans who really pop off the page for me. I think they would be smart to take Pierre Olivier Lestage, uh, as a futures pick. But the issue with, with that is first of all, I think he's great. And secondly, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line is terrible. And so, mm-hmm. you know, of all the futures to gamble on, right. You, the, 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 the worst chance he has of making the NFL, the, the higher you want to, the higher you want to pick him. Um, I like Pierre Olivier Lestage's chances of making the, the NFL. So I wouldn't take him in the third round. I'm not even sure I'd take him in the fourth, but he's probably also worth more to a team like Montreal who, who really covets having those local talents in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Lestage because in my, uh, in my blog, my draft preview, I had Lestage going to the Alouettes, but I was hoping more in the later rounds. And I don't know, I just can't see any other team maybe trying to upstage, especially now that we know, as you said, Seattle's offensive line is, well, terrible. So he actually does stand to make a very good chance to make this uh, Seahawks team. So I I don't want to say a wasted pick, but if Montreal were to make this pick, I would hope that they would make it in the fourth or fifth round or or fifth or sixth round, I should say. So, but will he still be around at that point? It's really hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like historically, and I, I kind of hesitate to look at historical examples with this draft just because this draft, again, the CFL draft is probably the most unique draft in sports. And this one is that even by CFL standards. Um, with that being said, however, historically, when a guy is signed with the NFL's undrafted free agent, uh, last year we saw that happen with 
you know, Carter O'Donnell out of the University of Alberta. We saw it happen with Race and John out of Simon Fraser. We saw it happen with, with a couple of other guys, and they all went in round two or three. Um, drafted by the NFL, that really tanks your CFL draft status. You're going at that point, you know, Neville Gallimore was an eighth-round pick. Chase, Chase Claypool wasn't even drafted last year. He was a second-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nobody took him in the CFL draft. Um, Olivier Lestage definitely gets drafted in the CFL. Um, but, uh, again, it's, it's tough to say. I, I would say if I'm the Alouettes, I mean, you get back-to-back picks, right? They have the last pick of the third round, the first pick of the second round. If, if you're making a selection there, I wouldn't say that's too early for Lestage. Um, certainly not at 28, where, you know, uh, if a future that good is still on the board, you take him. Personally, I'd be worried about Ottawa plucking him a little earlier, considering that he's French-Canadian and, and again, just a fantastic player. But uh, through Montreal, there's not much you can do. Your picks are really spread out, and uh, you don't have the most important one. You traded it away for, for Johnny Manziel. So um, I think if Lestage is still there at the end of the third, top of the fourth, you take him. But uh, I would, uh, I mean, never say never. I'd, I'd be a bit surprised, though, if he was still there. Mm-hmm. No, I've I've identified as as far as needs go for the Alouettes, I've identified running back, edge rusher, and O line for what I would consider to be the most important positions to fill. Uh, would you say that's about where you'd look at as far as needs for the Alouettes, or do you have another position you think needs uh, like is sorely lacking that needs uh, attention? I, I do see DB as a need, but I think that you're bang on with with a lot of your your suggestions. I mean, this is, this is probably not a team that's going to go ahead and start a running back. Um, they kind of toyed at that a little bit when Ryder stone was there a few years ago, he retired due to concussion concerns and William Standback is gonna, is going to carry the load. And you guys have a couple of Canadian running backs there and Jeshren Antwi, Colton Clausen, who I think mm-hmm. was a, a pretty underrated player in last year's class. So I would say, I mean, never say never with a running back. There's some really good running backs in this year's class. I like Deontay Glover a lot out of Shepard. I like Kyle Borsa. Obviously, you love Chuba Hubbard. Uh, it's just a you know, question is, is he ever coming? Which uh, is certainly up for debate, depending on how his career with the Carolina Panthers goes. But, um, you know, O-line, I think, is definitely one. Christian Matt, David Foucault are not getting any younger um, I do think your team has a lot of good Canadians who are relatively young. They're just not proven. And you can't have too many big guys like that. You can't have too many Canadian offensive linemen. Andrew Becker was a bit of a steal, I think, last year, though he has a lot of concussion history. Uh, you've still got Philippe Gagnon, though he's had injuries. You've got Jason Lozance again, though he's got injuries. Christian Matt is getting way up there in age. Um, as I said, so I like Zach Wilkinson a lot pick, uh, uh, he was a third rounder in 2019, but you can never have too many big guys. So my point is you'd, uh, I, I think going offensive line, uh, maybe not necessarily at 10. Uh, but if you can, if you can pluck an old lineman, I think that's great. And, and I think the the biggest need is defensive end and defensive end is, is probably not the you know, biggest position, so to speak, on a year-to-year basis in the CFL, but there are some really good edge rushers. If you want to take Daniel Joseph out of North Carolina State, you're not going to get him this year. He's probably getting, he's definitely going back to school, then he's probably getting an NFL look in 2022, but he's a great player. Uh, Deshaun Stevens plays a lot of Mike at Maine, middle linebacker, but he could also edge rush. He's done some of that, and I think he's really good at it. Um, and he could be potentially in the CFL in 2021. We'll have to wait and see. If not, he could be going back to school. Um, and then you've got Elaine Simakinda, who is from Carl. Well, originally, uh, uh, originally was born overseas, was raised largely in Ottawa. Uh, and then you've got a really interesting player in Luigi Villain out of Wake Forest. He played the last four years at Michigan. And at one point was actually, because he, he went to high school in, in the U.S., he was at one point the 102nd ranked prospect in the entire country um, of the United States. Like, like coming out of high school, like the number 102, like unbelievably highly sought after prospect. And he's done nothing in his career. I think he took 156 snaps over four years at Michigan as he's kind of fought injuries. He did not record a sack, I believe. So that said, he was once seen as a tremendous player, a 6'5" you know, six, uh, about 255 pounds coming off the edge. So there's a lot to like about a lot of those guys. Again, you're going to have to wait on most of them. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely a lot to like, and uh, it'll be exciting to, uh, to see where Montreal goes with their selections. All right. You, you mentioned a lot of the players that I pretty much tabbed as I think would be great fits for the Alouettes. Uh, uh, one name I didn't hear, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it, is uh, Chris Fournier out of Lehigh. Uh, everything I've seen about him, I, he's just got a great aggressive nature and plays unbelievably well. Like He's got great hands. His footwork is fantastic. Uh, what can you tell me about him or what have you seen about him that you think might be a good fit for the Alouettes? Well, I think Fournier is is a good player. Um, he played D two at Lehigh, and um, he's a guy who. I mean, he, you're not playing the the maybe the top level of competition there as a D two school, um, but he is in the transfer portal right now. He's received offers uh, from Toledo and UConn, where he should see a higher level of competition because he's a guy who's still looking for an NFL opportunity, and he is he is going back to school. So I don't know where he's going to play. Um, next year, but it won't be at Lehigh. It'll be somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a good young player. He's, he's got good size. He's six, four, about 290 pounds. Um, I think he moves well. He played left tackle at Lehigh, but I think he moves inside at the CFL level. He also played center there, uh, excuse me for the, his first season, uh, down South. So the fact that he can play center and tackle is pretty rare. A lot of guys will play center guard or they play tackle, well, he's, he has experience at center and tackle, which is kind of a nice thing. So um, he's, he's a player who you're not seeing till 2022 um, at the earliest, uh, but he's got a lot of seasoning. He started 25 games there, um, and he's from Ottawa, which is obviously close by. I don't know if he speaks French, which would obviously be a benefit uh, for the Alouettes. But, um, yeah, if you're looking at a future offensive lineman and a guy who might still be available, when the Alouettes pick at 27, uh, I think you could do a lot worse than, than Fournier because, uh, again, I, I, we, we didn't have him ranked terribly high. I think he was our seventh ranked offensive lineman, but you know, uh, you know, of those seven, only two are now players. That was uh, Bryce Bell and Logan Dandy. Um, the rest are all futures, including Fournier. So if you're willing to wait, um, yeah, for sure. I, I think Fournier is a good player and, and he could definitely, uh, be a fit in Montreal if they're in a position to grab him. Well, that's one thing I've, I've always thought, like, especially in the past couple of years, I think Montreal has really done a good job as far as sort of restocking the war chests. Like you said, there's a couple of guys that are starting to get up there in age, but there's a couple of guys that just need the reps as far as being able to get, just get, just getting these guys onto the field and getting them a chance to prove what they can do. I think is going to be crucial as far as their development. But I mean, I think Montreal is in a good position as far as O-line goes is that, you can never have too many big men, as they say, but to be able to take some, maybe one or two of these guys as futures picks and just sort of, you know, just put them in the slow cooker and let them, let them marinate. And then, uh, you know, that once the, the opportunities have come up that they have a chance to actually play in the CFL, whether it's in 2022 or 2023, they'll be there. They'll be ready for them. For sure. Yes. You, you, you need to have those big guys in the pipeline. Absolutely. I like the word marinate. I think that's a good word. Um, and, and the other thing, I mean, let's, let's not forget, like Montreal had some, some talented young offensive linemen, one being Trey Rutherford, who retired at age 26 this off season. And you've got another one in Tyler Johnstone, who wasn't retained in free agency, who is a ratio breaking starter at tackle. So, you know, you, you can look at Montreal and say, oh, well, they just used a first round pick in 2018 on Trey Rutherford and. Oh well, twenty. You know, they, they they gave up a first round and the supplemental to take Tyler Johnstone. Like they've done a great job. Or plenty, and it's like, well, hold on, they're they're both gone, right? You need to. It's a continuous cycle. If if you wait to draft offensive linemen until you need them, you're in trouble. You gotta you gotta draft them by the barrel full. And uh, you know, they they got a couple of good ones last year, and and a guy like Andrew Becker, who I really liked out of University of Regina. Um, you know, and uh, I think as long as you keep replenishing that uh, that that pipeline, then then you'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I was uh, kind of thinking about is uh, like I don't think Montreal could really afford to do this because they only have five picks this year. But given the the current situation, as far as not having enough film on guys and not you know maybe having certain needs being met already. Do you see any, not just the LOS, but do you see any CFL team potentially trading their picks this year in order to get more picks for next year? 
Yeah, I think if you look at the, you know, if this year's draft list compared to next year's, I think, um, I think next year's draft is going to be stronger just because there were so many opt-outs. Um, and so if you can get a 2022 pick for a 2021, I, I would take that deal. Um, I'm not necessarily sure you want to give up your first this year if there's a guy you, you love, but, you know, I, I certainly think there's a chance that we could see some trades. Um, I just hope they, they happen before I release my final mock draft because I get pretty grumpy when I publish my mock draft and then 10 minutes later there's a trade. Um, but that's just me being selfish. Well, and that's just the nature of football, too. I mean, yeah, I, how many times have we seen that is you know, we publish our blogs or we do a podcast and then lo and behold, the next day, boom, something happens newsworthy enough that it's like, oh, this just went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, John. Law, right? Sorry? It's Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, John, uh, as far as... Uh, the Alouettes and the draft goes uh, just uh, is there any possibility that maybe Danny Machocha doesn't draft anyone from Quebec tomorrow or is, is that even po- just a little bit possible um I will say yes but only because anything is technically possible <laughs> does Bodog have any lines on that <laughs> that would have been a great Bodog line unfortunately we don't have one but I'll, I'll make sure we get one next year <laughs> <laughs> Over under for how many Quebecers Danny Machocha drafts. Um, that would be a great line. Absolutely. And you could probably make money smashing me over. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, folks, I hope you've uh, you've come to appreciate uh, what this draft could be all about. And I, I think we've all learned a lot uh, this evening. Uh, John, I can't thank you enough for joining us uh, to preview this. Uh, I know you're going to be busy as heck uh, over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours, but uh, where can we find you online? Well, you can find all my written work at 3downnation.com, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at John D. Hodge. Um, you can also follow me at john.d.hodge on Instagram, though admittedly I'm, uh, I'm really good at remembering to post things on Instagram. I've got to get better at that. But uh, I'm very active on Twitter and very active at 3downnation.com. All right. Perfect. Well, John, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, CFL draft edition of the Alouettes Flight Deck. We definitely appreciate it, and uh, good luck tomorrow as far as just trying to keep up with all the action, and uh, I guess, uh, you know, may the odds be in everyone's favor. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Once again, thanks, for John, for joining us. Um, I mean, I, I've always said, and I've always been honest, that I'm not a draft guy. Um, but the, the answers that he was able to give me for generic, you know, the generic questions about the draft, um, I, I, you know, to me, it made sense. As I said, I'm not a draft guy, but, uh, uh, at least I'm glad I was able to at least, uh, (laughs) ask a few questions this time around. So, but uh, from what, what, what he said to you, Cliff, what, what, what stood out the most about the, what he said about the draft? I mean, again, like this is definitely a draft like no other, just like last year's draft was in a, in a way a draft like no other as well. I mean, it, it's one thing about the Canadian Football League, especially like the past couple of years, it's everything's been turned on its ear and how each team is going to respond to it, because it, it does affect all nine teams like this pandemic has definitely thrown everybody associated with the CFL for a loop. And now it's really come down to how do you how do you strategize? How do you plan ahead, especially when you know for a fact that you've got limited resources when it comes to not enough game film or very little game film, and you just have like a virtual combine where you you have you've got the the, the numbers, but even those are not official, and you didn't actually see it yourself. You're just kind of reading it off the computer interviews are being done via zoom i mean like you're you're not getting that full experience and you yeah, you still have to be expected to make the right moves in order to make your team better and i think this is something like, like john and i we talked about this as far as the challenges that are each cfl team faces and also to the alos as far as what are they going to do beyond draft all the quebec born players because that's what everybody's expecting and as i said last year danny machocha half of the team a half of his draft picks were from Quebec. Yeah. So, you know, whether it was from the Université de Montréal or just anywhere in the RESQ. He he wanted to make this team more Quebec-based, and he certainly did that. And this year, 
There's only five picks available for the Alouettes. Is he going to take all Quebec players with those five picks? I don't think so. I, I don't think he can. I don't think he truly can. But you know he's going to pick at least one or two Quebecers. It's just which direction are they going to go this year? And it's part of the fun, but also it's kind of stressing too. Just wondering, okay, what directions does this team want to go? Yeah, exactly. And I've got an idea of where I think this team should be heading. Whether or not the Alouettes agree with me, this, whether the scouting staff and Machocha agree with me, would be a whole different thing altogether. So, I mean, that, but that therein is part of the fun as well. It's like, okay, well, this is what I think. And then when you see after, when draft night is done and you see what ends up, who ends up becoming a member of the Alouettes, could be completely different, could be the same. I mean, that's just, it's, there's a reason why it's called the lottery, folks. It's, it's, it's truly luck of the draw as far as, who will be next? Who who are the next members of the Montreal Alouettes? And that's what that's what makes draft night to me so much fun. There's all the speculation, all the pontificating, uh, you know, the armchair GMs trying to figure out where the team's going to go. I mean, that to me, that's what makes this such a fun event. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I, I will tune in. I, I'm you know just to, to see the spectacle of it and, and to see what's what, and uh, um, you know, we'll we'll see. I, I think it's. Is it only the first two rounds that are being done on TSN and the rest are online? Is that, That's that, right. So, uh, And here's the thing. Uh, from what I'm understanding, in the past, and I've complained about this numerous times, is that you, the first two rounds essentially are on TSN. Like from, basically from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. After that, it goes online. Before, it was, it would go, you'd have to go to tsn.ca and be a TSN go member and all that just to be able to watch the rest of the draft yeah last year it ended up i guess with the pandemic and not having the access to the studio or what have you what ended up happening is that the first two rounds were broadcasted on tsn as per normal but then you went to cfl.ca and there was uh i think it was uh, marshall ferguson and brody lawson were breaking down the rest of the picks for the uh the cfl draft the, the rest of the rounds uh, this year, though, is going to be a little different in that you go to CFL.ca once the, the TSN broadcast is finished. But if I'm understanding correctly, they're going to have a draft tracker on there and it will constantly refresh. But there won't be any commentary. There won't be any video. There won't be any anything like that. Like literally, you're just going to the website and just watching it refresh, waiting to see who's going to be selected by by each team. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's come on, that was kind of my man. Rate. That was kind of my reaction, too, because, like, what the hell else does TSN have going on right now? There's no playoff hockey, which has always been a problem in the past, is that the draft always seems to fall right around the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, the playoffs aren't happening just yet. Uh, the NBA is still in its regular season. I don't think there's any games that, are good, that would uh, co- uh, coincide with it. Uh, what the hell else do you have going on, TSN, that you can't broadcast the friggin' draft? The all six, uh, this year, six rounds. You can't you can't devote you know another hour or two to this. Like you got five channels, you can't say like you know designate TSN three and just broadcast the whole bloody thing. I, I I don't get it. And they're supposed to be a partner. They're supposed to be a partner with the league, and you pull this kind of nonsense yet again. It's it's maddening, and you wonder why nobody gives a rat's ass about the draft. Yeah. Well, there's your answer. There's your answer. You treat this thing like an afterthought, and that's exactly how people treat it. Other than draft geeks like myself, who actually give a damn about the draft and want to know who, you know, the the, the Montreal Alouettes want to select, and I'm curious to see who all else is going, you know, who's going elsewhere. Fine, I get that maybe, uh, you know, the 65 year old farmers in Saskatchewan don't give a rat's ass about the uh, the CFL draft, other than who the riders are going to pick. I get that, but. At the same time, how are you supposed to generate interest in this event if you don't even give it, like, you know, you don't even give, you, you, I can't even say you're giving this the bum's rush. Like, you're just teasing us with two rounds and then, you know, figure just, the rest out for yourself. I, it's one thing, if I would have known, I, you know, I would have asked John about this. I'm very surprised that they themselves could, because with weight today's, te- you know, streaming technology, they could easily have done this thing on Twitch if they had wanted to. You know, three, three down, three down, take the mantle that the CFLs dropped this time around and they could actually have, you know, they, they could have had, had a, a, a draft. Uh, well, it can't be the CFL draft. 
but you you understand what I'm getting at, mm-hmm. you know? No, I mean, and it, yeah, I, 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 and I think unfortunately that's that it may have to come to that as far as that goes because it's pretty clear that TSN, who's the broadcast partner of the Canadian Football League, after all these years, still don't get it. The only thing maybe I could think of, and maybe I'm just trying to be devil's advocate on this one, is um, what if because of lack of... Because remember, last year it was Brody, as you said, and Marshall Ferguson. Lack of staff? Well, that's a, a straw man argument. I mean, it's... Well, you, you, know what, you understand what I'm getting at, but I mean, it's... Yeah. To a degree, yes, but at the same time, like you know, you've got like for example, Mar- I, I don't know what Marshall Ferguson's doing tomorrow evening. I'm sure he's going to be paying attention to the draft. I, I like I said, I, I, don't I, I, I don't know. Like, could you not get him on board in some way, shape, or form to talk about it? Talk about some of these players. Like he's just as dialed in as just about anybody else as far as the CFL draft goes. The only thing I could think of would have been ratings online. But, you know, because they're technically still getting paid. I guess. But and you're going to say, like, well, people aren't tuning in because they're not interested. Well, you got to make them interested. You got to make them you got to get them invested in something like this. And then the ratings will come like it's one of those chicken and the egg things. Like, I mean, I, I get it to a degree, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less maddening to think about. But sure enough, you know, I'll be there tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening. I'll I'll be, I'll be in front of my TV. I'll watch the two rounds. Then I'll be on my computer, yep. refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Because really, truly, what other choice do I have if I want to know who the Alouettes pick and who all the other teams pick with their their selections? Yeah, it's that or nothing. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I dude, who knows? Who the heck? Who 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 knows? Um, speaking of the draft, um, I know you. Uh, and John, we're talking about uh, what he thought, but I know on your your blog, um, that you on your draft preview that you were talking about specific players that you yourself thought uh, would have a good shot at, at really fitting into the uh, uh, into the Montreal scheme itself, when it be offensive or defensive. But uh, give us a give us a, a couple, just a couple of players who you think, in your opinion. Uh, would stand out at becoming uh, a Montreal Alouette. The one name that really stands out to me more than any other would be Ale Simakinda, Kinda or Simakinda. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but uh, Simakinda. Uh, it's kind of funny, actually. His uh, teammates at the University of Guelph were calling him Cinnamon, Cinnamon Kinda. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so. <laughs> Which I, I thought was hilarious when I heard that. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I could definitely see like uh, your average CFL fan doing something like that. Uh, you know, just cinnamon kinda. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Ali C- Simon Kinda is a hell of a player. I mean, I, I the film I've seen of this guy, holy crap, this guy has it as far as being a defensive end, being at that edge rusher that the Alouettes could use. I mean, the defensive line has a very Canadian flavor to it already. You've got guys like uh, David Menard, Junior Luke, uh, Bo Banner. Like these are guys that you could build around and definitely are very talented players. Now you put this kid on that line to go after the quarterback. Holy crap. Like this guy is like, I- I've said he's like a buzzsaw. Like he just tears through offensive lines and just, you know, with the sole purpose of just getting to the quarterback. And he does such an amazing job of it. I mean, you know he's got a he's got a good frame on him. Uh, the motor is in, intense. I mean, like he just he just goes and goes and goes. I mean, like this this is a guy I think can definitely make a huge impact. Like almost immediately would make an impact on this team. And I mean, especially now with uh, John Bowman essentially retired, you need someone that's going to go and get in the quarterback's kitchen and disrupt him. And I think uh, Allen could be one of those guys that can do that. Okay. Okay. Um. Do you have a, a potential sleeper? Uh, as far as sleeper goes, uh, one name that we didn't talk about with uh, John was uh, Michael Rick, Ricktock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a running back for the University of Manitoba. This guy has a great pedigree. Now, the University of Manitoba produces some pretty amazing football players. Uh, we had a, one on last year in DJ Lalama and talking with him. 
uh, Landon Rice, also from the University of Manitoba. Like this university can produce some top tier football players. Uh, guys also like Anthony Coombs and Nick Dembski, who Michael Richtock has been compared to uh, as far as he's got that uh, he's got the downhill running speed, which again, William Stanback is obviously the you know the blueprint as far as this Alouette's uh, backfield goes. But I think this young man could actually step in and he can compete and he can be that that sort of player as well. I mean, he's got great speed. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen too many people be able to tackle him with any uh, any great interest or a great ability in order to do so. To me, I think this is one of those guys you take. You, you don't know. You probably wouldn't know him from the hole in the wall here in Montreal. But uh, this is one of those guys that could just all of a sudden burst out of the gate and then just really make an impact right away for the Alouettes. Oh, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny how <laughs> it's funny how most of the teams got grief in the global draft for the percentage of of kickers that were chosen in the draft. Um, mm-hmm. Owls didn't. I don't. The Owls didn't go that way. I'm trying to bring up the list here real quick, just to give a quick. Uh, well, their well, their first one was a, a punter from Australia. Oh, was it so. okay? Was it a punter? Okay, okay. It's just a matter of, of curious to see which direction the Owls will take in this upcoming draft. And uh, I know you were mentioned it's John. I'm curious to know, uh, in your opinion, Cliff, do you see the Owls trading possibly up or, as you stated, trading for uh, a 2022 pick? Well, I definitely don't see them trading up, especially to like, unfortunately, they are in a bit of a weird position as far as the snake draft goes. But thankfully, it's hopefully just for this year that we have to worry about that. But uh, I don't think there's any particular player, or at least I'm not, I'd be surprised to see any particular player that would be, make Danny Machocha want to go, okay, I got to trade for that guy and right. somehow get move up in the draft in order to do so. Uh, trading out, though, is something I can definitely see happening because. Again, there's only five pick. The Alouettes only have five picks, and if they don't get the guys that they want, I could definitely see them doing that, especially with some of their later picks. And if that means too that they'll be able to build up a little bit more of uh, capital, if you will, for next year, when all the players that were opting out from last year and this year are back in the back in the fold, so to speak, that opens up a whole new sort of. Uh, a whole new inventory, if you will, of potential players to play for the Alouettes. Right. And then you've got those one or two extra picks in your back pocket. To me, I think that would be like, if you don't, if you don't find the people that you want, and I'm sure too, with a lot of the Quebec born players that were drafted or in the, the NFL draft or signed as unde- uh, undrafted free agents, it doesn't make sense to pick those guys in the draft because there's a very good chance that they don't play football in Canada whether it's next year, the year after, or ever. So why waste draft picks? Like, I mean, especially too, like if the guy you want isn't available for any any reason and you can swing a deal and just build up that capital just a little bit more, to me, I think that that's a no-brainer. I think that's the kind of move that you I could definitely see the Alouettes making this year. Because like, you've got like I said, you've got five picks. Why waste them? Like especially too, like don't draft someone just for the sake of drafting someone. Like I'd rather, especially in the later rounds too, like if if you, if you don't think you could develop a certain player or, you know, there's someone out there that just doesn't appeal to you, right? don't take them. Let someone else take them. Build that capital. If you can get, like, like, I said, like next year, if we're back to eight rounds in the draft and you manage to snag one or two extra ones, to me, that's a win-win. Like, that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, you, you, it shows you're, you're looking towards the future and looking beyond the narrative of, oh, I got to draft all the Quebec born players. Like, no, you want to draft the best players possible, regardless of where they were born. Yeah. And having those extra draft picks in your back pocket would prove that, okay, I'm dead serious about making this team better. And also beyond what I have for this year, as far as like, we've got a lot of good players that are going to be coming in to camp from the 2020 draft. We still don't know what they can do. Now you're also adding on potentially five other players and you don't know what they can do either. So you've got you've got a, a whole influx of players that are just going to be coming in here, and you've got to be able to evaluate them all properly. At that point, like, do you really want to take the chance of having five guys that may or may not work out because 
you felt like you had to draft them and you may not be able to develop them properly. To me, I think it would just be a lot better. Like if you don't find the guys that you want or they're just not attainable, then go ahead and make those trades and build up that capital for next year. Yeah. To me, that, that that seems like the most intelligent thing you can do if if that's if the opportunity presents itself. Oh, the, I, I, you make a very good point because it's when you think of when a dispersal draft happens, as an example, or an expansion draft happens. If there's somebody that you don't want, and when it's your time to pick, you don't pick. So it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense, Cliff. So it'll be curious to see what the Alouettes do uh, come tomorrow night uh, for the draft. So if anybody's curious, as Cliff said earlier, seven o'clock TSN for the first two uh, rounds, and then after that, well, you gotta go online and literally watch it (laughs) watch it refresh yeah i I just find like most people say that watching the draft is like watching paint dry like imagine what watching a computer screen of the draft is like (laughs) uh yeah it's like hitting it's like hitting refresh oh wait that's what you're gonna actually gonna be doing oh so um next show we will make sure that we do have uh, an update on what the alouettes did do in the draft um, we, I said, we are very curious to see what they're going to be doing. Uh, and uh, we have a couple of things, um, uh, a couple of things uh, that we have uh, coming up. And, uh, well, well, obviously, you'll, you will see how those things pan out over the next couple of episodes. So um, other than the draft tomorrow, Cliff, anything, uh, anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, I mean, nothing, nothing immediately, but... Uh... Like I said, the one thing I will remind everybody is uh, if you do want to see the player a little more detail into the players that I I think would be a good fit for the Alouettes, uh, by all means, head over to the blog at uh, www.alsternative.com. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, the day after the draft, uh, head over, head back there, because I will go through whatever picks the Alouettes make, whether they do make all five of their picks or if they end up trading or whatever happens on draft night. I will cover it. I will take a look at a, a bit of a deeper dive, if you will, into the players that will be joining the Alouettes in 2021, and we'll discuss it more. And of course, we'll discuss it here on the flight deck as well. I mean, that's uh, that's a given. Yeah. But uh, for any other draft information or anything like that, uh, like I said, check out the blog. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Cliffy D. You know, we can talk. We can talk CFL draft there if you like. What what you think? What uh, kind of moves you think the Alouettes could potentially be making? so on and so forth by all means folks uh engage just you know interact let's talk about it let's let's discuss it let's debate it i'm here for that folks let's let's do this yeah uh also don't forget if you are looking to hear past episodes of the podcast you can head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca uh over to podbean apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify our heart radio and tune in uh also just as a quick shout out for uh for you fans who are looking for some merch um that the alouettes boutique is run- currently running a spe- a mother's day special where they've put together two uh two combos uh, yeah i'll call them combos uh two combos where you get a, a cap and uh a either a mug or a uh, a tumbler um, but if you head over to the uh, boutique website, uh, you will be able to to see if the uh, whatever else is there and uh, uh, grab them, whether it be for you or for your mom. Still, it's a uh, it's a good way to support local, and that's uh, that that's all that we're trying to do. And uh, from what I've heard, by the way, Cliff, um, nothing, no date set in stone as of yet. But I can say that uh, they are going to have some new merch coming very very soon. Well, there you go. I mean, if that doesn't get you excited, folks, I don't know what will. I mean, as as Tim said, this is your chance to support local, uh, keep uh, keep the, the Alouette's name going, and just get you know keep that you know keep keep it on everybody's lips. Yeah. I mean, like that's yeah. what's that's really really is what it's all about right now. Okay. And with any luck, uh, you buy this swag. God willing, as of uh, August, we'll be able to be back at the stadium. Back in our seats, back being able to watch football again live. Here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood exactly. for that. Exactly. And also, just as a quick reminder, too, speaking of swag, uh, you can head over to uh, to our merch store uh, for the Alouette's flight deck, uh, teespring.com slash stores slash Al's, uh, Al's flight deck. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. bad, but I don't know my own, uh, own website. We need to make that shorter. 
<laughs> we got to make that shorter. Uh, yeah, de- yeah, definitely buy the merch, folks. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I, I say I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, I mean, it's it just looks good. And you know what they say, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Yep. I mean. And yeah. uh, here, here, finger crossed for next episode. We're hoping that uh, if it is going to be released uh, with the new revised uh, CFL schedule, I don't know how, I don't think anybody has any dates for when it's supposed to be coming out, but I know it's supposed to be coming out very, very shortly. So uh, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, so for everybody here at Dallas Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Take Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.